the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Once again, we greet you. We're so pleased that you can join us here for the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. We do this every weekend on WTLN AM 950 in Orlando and have been doing it for many years and always look forward to these visits. Alan Dempsey is our engineer putting the show together this weekend. Andrew Herdliska produces the show for us each week, and uh, we're grateful for his help. And Pamela Christian joins me in this first half hour from her home in Southern California. Examine your faith, finding truth in a world of lies. Pam, how are you doing? Very well, thanks, Pat. I very appreciate you asking. Tell me about your book. You know, it's a book that is actually written out of my own experience, uh, beginning with the faith, faith crisis that I had. The title is Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies. And I'm pleased to say it's endorsed by Josh McDowell. But I had what many people come to, a crisis in life, that caused me to absolutely question everything I had ever been taught, everything I had based my life on, and in a very frightening way, I had to realize that what I was basing my life on was not truth, and I needed to go back through everything and rebuild my belief system, Uh, and it was a, a very frightening thing on a number of levels. Number one, most of us believe what we do because our parents or other significant people in our life have taught us. And so to question what our parents or others that are very important in our life taught us is almost a, it has a sense of betrayal to it. So it takes a lot of courage to examine what you believe and why you believe it. But because of this crisis, which I go about in in detail in my book, because of this crisis that brought me literally to my knees, um, I was able to go back through and rebuild my life in a way that that I could be confident it was based on truth. You know, Pat, one of the questions that I ask an audience when I go speak is who in this room wants to live your life on the basis of a lie? And no one ever raises their hand to that question, which is exceedingly revealing, because what it reveals is that intrinsically and universally, human beings prefer truth over a lie or deception. And yet, because of my experience, I assert that unless we examine what we believe and why we believe it, and on a regular basis, we could be deceived and not know it, because it's the very nature of deception that the victim is unaware. I was unaware. I'm a commendably uh, educated individual. I'm, I'm bright. Uh, and yet, I had to admit that I was woefully deceived. And had I not intentionally taken the time and the effort to examine what I believed and why I believed it, I would have continued to live my life on the basis of a lie and not known it, and who knows where I would have ended up. Pam, there are three parts to your book. Part one is called Defending Truth. So let's get into that. Uh, You talk about topics such as a crisis of faith, and faith in crisis, and faith in truth, and faith in God. What what are you telling us there? What's the importance of that first part? Well, you know, when I realized that I didn't have a clear handle on truth, or my faith wasn't lined up with truth, and I wanted to write this book, now let me back up just a moment, the catalyst for writing this book, was reading an article that was published by ABC News talking about Americans being tolerant of religious faith. On the surface, that sounds all good. But when I read the article, what I realized, what I learned, is that Americans, and probably not just limited to America, people are blending, they're attempting to blend different tenets of different religious faiths. And they would refer to themselves, for example, as Chrislam, which would be Christianity and Islam, and Buju, which would be Buddhism and Judaism. And it broke my heart because it revealed to me that there are a lot of people who are deceived and don't know it. So I had to write this book out of deep, deep compassion, because I'd been there. I had been deceived myself. I had to write this book to get it into people's hands so that they can examine what they believe and why they believe it. 
what we need to understand is what, what is truth and what is faith. And one of the first things I did, Pat, to, to have a foundation for this book was I went online, used a regular Google search, looked up the words truth and faith using the most popular dictionaries that, that came up on the search. And in both cases, the words truth and the words faith were ill-defined. They were not adequately defined. We can be sure a matter is true. A lot of people want to say that the truth is relative. What's true for you is your truth. What's true for me is my truth, and we should all just get along. But just claiming a matter to be true doesn't make it so. The burden of proof for truth is on the person who makes the claim. So I want people to be equipped. I want them to have the tools that they need to be able to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that a matter is true. And there are three tests that we can put in place. And if all three of these things are in place, then we can be confident that a matter is true. First off, only one thing can be true. All opposing matters are false. Second, the truth is universal. Third is, escaping my mind at the moment, uh, but I'll get back to that for you. There are three things that we can be certain that a matter is true. And when these three things are in place, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the truth exists. It's absolute. It is not relative. You know, if truth was relative, simply claiming that uh, I have no cellulite would be a good thing, because I would have no cellulite just by claiming it. But mm. claiming a matter to be true doesn't make it so. My guest is Pamela Christian. I'm eager to get into this topic of part two, discovering truth. And you discover faith findings with Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, secular secularity, Islam, and Christianity. Uh, can you walk us through your faith findings in part two, Pam? Yeah. What I've done is to try to have people understand <clears throat> that there are very, very distinct, unique tenets of faith for each of the five major world religions and New Age. Uh, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, secular humanism, Islam, and Christianity um, are the... Secular humanism, by the way, would include New Age in my chapter, the way I categorize it in my book. Uh, and I've devoted a chapter to each one of these major worldviews so that people can understand the origin and what each faith actually believes. When we contrast each of the five major world religions and New Age in that fashion, we can see that there is no way to harmonize them. You know, a lot of well-meaning people want to say that all roads lead to the same God and the same heaven. But unless we examine that to see if that's true, we are just making a claim. And as I've already said, just claiming something to be true doesn't make it so. And getting back to the matter of truth, we want to understand what the three proof tests are. The first thing is that the truth is based in reality. That's the point that I had missed just a moment ago. But the truth is based in reality. Secondly, only one thing can be true and all opposing matters are false. And third, the truth is universal. When all three of those are in place, we can be confident that a matter is true. When we look at the five major world religions and New Age, and we contrast the tenets of the faith, it becomes glaringly clear that there is no way to harmonize these different beliefs without some serious compromise. And since each group sincerely believes what they believe, where is the compromise to be made? Walk us through what you learned about these different faiths. Well, again, there's an entire chapter devoted to each one of these. Yes. But, but Judaism, uh, Islam, and Christianity all have the same origin. We all hold to the Old Testament scriptures. The difference is the way we interpret the scriptures in part with Judaism compared to Christianity, and the departure between Islam and Christianity comes with the sons of Jacob, Isaac, and Esau. Isaac and Jacob. So it's important that we understand the history and how these religions came about and where they do depart. My guest is uh, Pamela Christian. Now, Pam, we're going to move to uh, part three. You call it Deciding Truth. And uh, just explain that, and then we're going to take a break, and you can come back, and we can get into it in, in a deeper fashion. What does Deciding Truth mean? Well, what I want people to do with this third section is, after they have considered what truth is, after they have considered the different distinctions of the major world religions and New Age, then I want them to go back through what makes sense to believe, and one of the things that I do is I provide information that validates the Bible. You know, we cannot use the Bible today as we have in times past. It used to be that if you said the Bible says, people would respect the authority of the Bible. But we can't do that any longer. We have to first validate the Bible. So one of the things that I've done is to take a lot of time and research 
to provide the readers with information that it proves, objectively, verifiably proves, that the Bible is distinct and unique in contrast to all other religious documents of authority. Once that is established, then I can use the Bible to speak of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in so doing that, and using extra-biblical evidence about the life, death, and resurrection of of Jesus, not just the Bible, using historical and other documents and other um, artifacts, other archaeology, other proofs about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Pam Christian, our guest. we got more after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. That's WTLN AM 950 in Orlando. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Water is a basic building block of life. The human body is 70% water. It should be nourished with the purest, best water on Earth. At Carolina Mountain Water, their spring water is unsurpassed, clean, pure, wholesome, and refreshing. And for the past 25 years, Carolina Mountain Water has been serving and refreshing Central Florida with the best quality and best-tasting water at the most affordable price. Carolina Mountain Water is 100% mountain spring water, available in easy-to-use gallon and a half-liter bottles, along with three- and five-gallon spill-proof bottles, perfect for home, or office. And now they offer free home and office delivery. Isn't that simple? With Carolina Mountain Spring Water, no chemicals are ever needed for purification the way water for the body was meant to be. Get refreshed for the new year by calling 407-851-7144. The purest water Mother Nature can provide. Carolina Mountain Water 407-851-7144. Call today for a special offer. 407-851-7144. Online at carolinabottledwater.com. Hi, this is Pastor Johnny with The Vision, bringing you a message of love and grace on the new 950 WTLN. Sunday mornings at 1045 a.m. Or if you can't catch the broadcast at that time, you can get us at WTLN.com 24-7, where you can download the podcast anytime and enjoy that message. That's The Vision on the new 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 950 WTLN. If you miss the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace, Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at GraceImpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Pamela Christian is with us. Her book is out. It's called Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies. Uh, Pam, let's continue on with part three, deciding truth. The first major topic here is faith reconsidered. Uh, What does that mean? Well, again, after uh, the person, the reader of my book, has looked at the five major world religions and New Age, they have an opportunity to decide what makes the most sense to believe. And if a person is intellectually honest, if they truly are honest, uh, they will see that there are some real holes, some, some serious uh, discrepancies within many of the religions, and if they are willing to look at the facts, and this is important because one of the things that I've said before is that when a person has made up their mind, the facts are annoying. <laughs> but when we look at the objective, verifiable facts, it, Christianity stands apart from all the other major world religions, and this is important for people to see. Faith perspectives on good and evil. That's the next topic. Mm-hmm. The different religions, the major world religions, have uh, a different perspective on the origin of evil, the origin of sin, if you will, uh, and that's good to understand as well, so that we can, again, contrast the major world religions and make up our mind for ourselves what makes the most sense, and not just intellectual sense, but spiritual sense, what makes the most sense to believe. You know, Pat, most people in this world believe that our life is eternal, that we have eternal spirits within us, and that what we believe today makes the determination as to where we will end up in eternity. Even the Eastern religions believe in reincarnation, which is a form of eternal spirit beings. 
So again, I assert how important it is that we examine what we believe and why we believe it, or we could be deceived and not know it. And this is what I want. I want people to know that they are basing their life on truth. Again, when I ask the question in a room uh, where I'm speaking, who wants to live your life on the basis of a lie, no one raises their hand to that question. And with that, then it becomes important for us to do the tough stuff, to do what it takes, to examine what we believe and why we believe it so we can be confident that our life lines up with truth. Truth is an awful lot like automobile insurance. We need to have it in place before there's a need to, quote-unquote, file a claim. The different views of Jesus, that's the next thing you get into here in this section, Pam. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, for example, Islam does not believe that Jesus was anything other than a good teacher. They believe he existed, but they do not believe that he was anything other than a good teacher. They don't even consider him a prophet. They also do not believe that he was crucified. Uh, So these are some of the distinctions that are made uh, in the latter chapters of the book so that people can see what the different views are of Jesus. And, as I said, I go into great detail with history, with archaeology, with extra-biblical writings about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus so that people can make a conclusion for themselves. The biblical and historical birth of Jesus. I want you to talk about that one, Pam. Well, that's pretty amazing, Pat. Uh, There is a lot of prophecy concerning the the birth of what is known as the Messiah from the Old Testament, or Jesus the Christ, the Savior, as we refer to him in the New Testament. Uh, And the the information, the evidence for the resurrection, the evidence for the birth of Jesus, the the prophecy is overwhelming. Just the probability of statistics alone uh, makes it compelling to understand that Jesus was who he claimed to be. Uh, the, the probability of statistics for prophecies being fulfilled is astronomical. I don't even know how to pronounce the number if only 40% or only 40 of the uh, over 300 prophecies concerning Jesus were actually fulfilled. The number is, is out of this world whenever you use the probability of statistics. So what people need to do is to use their thinking minds, use their rational minds. Even in Isaiah, the Lord writes, Come now, let us reason together. He wants us to use our mind, our intellect. Uh, But what I'm seeing is that, especially in America, we have people who are told what to think instead of taught how to think. You know, it used to be that logic and reason was a class that was required for all general education, but it isn't any longer. And so we have people who are trained what to think rather than taught how to think. And I really want people to go through the evidence, the facts, and make a decision for him or herself What makes the most sense, not only intellectually, but spiritually, to believe, especially in the light of the fact that most people believe that our lives are eternal? My guest is Pamela Christian. We're talking about her book, Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies. Talk to us, Pam, about prophecies fulfilled concerning Jesus and then evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Well, there's many, many prophecies about the the birth and the life of Jesus. Um, what, what we have to begin with would be the significance of, of testimony, and that's where we have witnesses, the eyewitnesses, and we even use the significance of testimony in our courts of law today uh, here in America, of course. And <clears throat> one of the things that we have um, concerning the life of Jesus is that we have it recorded in the Bible, and again, I substantiate the Bible as being valid, uh, most accurate historical document by using extra-biblical uh, documents and artifacts and such. So when you have the Bible validated and you can then use the Bible as a source of authority, we can see in the Bible that there were over 500 witnesses. Now, when the Bible talks about a head count, they're generally counting just the men. They're not counting women and children. But there were over 500 witnesses to the resurrected Jesus, to Jesus who was alive and walking on this earth after he was crucified, after he had been buried in the tomb. So when you're talking about just counting the men, there could have been thousands of people who were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus after his crucifixion. And then the final thing you write about, Pam, is uh, simply a question. Will you believe? Right. Having presented as much of the facts as I could, and this is a well-documented book. It's, uh, I've got extensive endnotes uh, and source information, so that if a person wants to do deeper study, they certainly can. But I want a person to then take all the information that I have presented, and I've done it compassionately, Pat. This is not a book that's trying to say it's my way or the highway or Jesus' way, no way. That is not the tone of this book whatsoever. In fact, the reviews I've gotten on it are evidence of that, that they have realized that I'm writing with deep compassion and love. I want a person to take the evidence, take the information that's been presented, and to decide for him or herself. 
and it's my prayer that they definitely will conclude on what is true so they can live their life on the basis of truth and not a lie. Pam, why do you say that faith in America is in a crisis? Well, again, it gets back to that article that I read, uh, published by ABC News, where people are trying to be so politically correct that they're being ineffective. They're creating a faith of their own choosing. It's a lot like programming their iPhones. They're taking a little bit from this, a little bit from that, and they're trying to create a faith of their own preference, which is completely impotent. It will not see a person through when they need it the most. And I want people to have a faith that is confident, that will see them through any life crisis that they might encounter. Pam, you uh, have been nicknamed the faith doctor. Uh, Why? What does that mean? Well, that's an affectionate term, actually, Pat, that was given to me years ago. I have been uh, very concerned about this matter of faith. I've been teaching from scriptures and learning about faith for years and helping people. And so since I'm an advocate and I help people, faith doctor is what came out of it. You've talked to us, Pam, about your own faith journey, your faith crisis. Um, Can you give us a few more details? Were you out wandering through all these different religions trying to merge them? In in effect, I was. I am a product of the 60s. Um, That was when a lot of the Eastern religions became very popular here in America. And many people were trying to blend the Eastern uh, mysticism with our basic Christian foundation here in America. Uh, So, yes, I was unwittingly because I was just doing what was popular. I was going along with the flow without giving any real serious mind time to what I was determining was my worldview. So how do you, how do you merge religions? I mean, how do, you, how do you go about that? How does one do that? Well, a lot of people are trying, Pat, and that's the point of this book. Whenever you actually look at the different five major world religions and New Age, you can see it becomes glaringly clear that it's impossible to blend or harmonize the different religions. A lot of people want to believe that all roads lead to the same God, the same heaven, but when you look at it, it's impossible. So then we have to decide, okay, what, if anything, is true? And then we get down to Jesus in John fourteen six, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> no man comes to the Father but by me. That That's the verse that I think wakes people up. I would hope it does. It wakes people up, and it also offends people. A lot of people will claim that Christians are intolerant because we say that the Christian belief is the only way to be rightly related to God. And we do say that. Christians do say that. But we are not saying it of our own uh, accord. We are actually repeating. We are quoting Jesus because it was Jesus himself who said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So Christianity, in reality, is not um, intolerant. It is not exclusive. It's actually inclusive to anyone who wants to come. Do you believe, Pam, that uh, people intrinsically desire the truth? Yeah, I absolutely do. And I think that that very question that I ask whenever I go speak gives evidence to that. When I say, who in this room wants to live your life on the basis of a lie, to have absolutely no one ever raise their hands, not even a pathological liar, shows us that people intrinsically and universally prefer truth over lies or deception. Why do you say that the founding fathers of our country rejected the idea of religious unity? Well, from the idea, I don't know if I said religious unity, but what the founding fathers wanted was religious tolerance in the sense that we would accept people have the right to choose whatever they want to believe. We, we cannot impose that upon another individual. And so the Founding Fathers knew that as a nation we could not require people to believe a certain way. That is exactly what they were escaping from, the, uh, from Europe. They were escaping that kind of tyrannical rule. So what the Founding Fathers wanted was a country that was free for every individual to choose what he or she wants to believe. And I support that completely. What I don't want is people being deceived. What is the best way to reach skeptics, in your opinion, Pam, who want nothing to do with Christianity? Love, completely with love and compassion and understanding. You know, Pat, every one of us are born into this world uh, an enemy of God. It isn't until we discover truth for ourselves that we can be united with God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. So all of us have the same origin, the same beginning. We have no reason to be any other way except compassionate with our fellow human beings. When we operate out of love, we're operating in the same way that Jesus did. When we operate out of love and compassion and understanding and empathy, we have an opportunity for relationship. And once we've established relationship and a person knows we genuinely care about them, then we have an opportunity to try to speak truth into their life. Do you think a person can be moral without embracing Judeo-Christian ethics? Yes, 
There are a lot of good, moral people in this world who are not necessarily believers in Christianity. Uh, And these people, I would assert, are perhaps more deceived than most because they don't see the need to examine what they believe and why they believe it. They are living a good life, and they are reaping some benefits from that. But again, uh, I ask, I implore people to take the time to be courageous, to do the tough stuff, to make sure, you know, at the very least, what could happen is that you'll find out you're right, that your life is based on truth. Great. But what if your life is not based on truth? Wouldn't a person want to know that? Mm. You write, Pam, that Eastern ideas emanating from Hinduism uh, began to gain popularity in the West because of Hinduism's tolerance for diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we seeing the results of this now in our culture, do you think? Oh, we absolutely are. I mean, Pat, if you can go back to the 60s when the Beatles were very, very popular... There was a lot of uh, influence of the Eastern mysticism brought to our country, and we are definitely, as a country, uh, reaping the devastation that has come about by just willy-nilly believing and taking on different beliefs, different worldviews, without examining the validity of them. Tell me about Josh McDowell's endorsement of your book. What did that mean to you? It meant a lot. Josh McDowell is a a very well known uh, apologist, author, and speaker, and teacher, uh, who's been writing and helping people discover truth himself for years. And, of course, he's one of the people who have influenced me in my uh, enjoyment of apologetics. But his endorsement uh, is exactly that. It's a strong endorsement that allowed me to have more confidence to go forward with this book. And I also am am pleased to have Dan Story and Dr. Craig Hazen and, and other people's endorsements of this book. And the reviews that I'm getting on Amazon and Barnes and Noble are very, very gratifying. Um, because I, and again, my whole desire for this book is to get it into the hands of people that they would see the love and the compassion that I'm, and the earnestness with which I'm pre- presenting this information, wanting them to live their life on the basis of truth. How do people reach you, Pam, if they want to check in with you? Uh, I'd enjoy that very much. My ministry is uh, called Pamela Christian Ministries. And it's just that online, PamelaChristianMinistries.com. And I love to speak and teach, so if, in, if I could be invited to come to uh, your neighborhood, I'd be glad to do that as well. For every 10 books sold, you tell us, Pam, through our site, one book is donated to evangelistic missionary efforts for their use in spreading the gospel. That's terrific. That's right. Through my website, for every 10 books sold through my website personally, I will uh, donate a book to Evangelistic Outreach, because this book is an exceptional evangelistic tool. Um, I hope to to be able to do some outreach events with different churches and organizations around the country and have this book be the foundation for that. Pamela Christian has been our guest. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, WTLN, AM 950 in Orlando. Stay with us. Of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. The Old Florida Outdoor Festival is back, bigger and better than ever. Saturday and Sunday, February 8th and 9th at the Northwest Recreation Center's Amphitheater in Apopka. Come experience the true Old Florida outdoor lifestyle and enjoy fun, wholesome activities such as birding, shooting sports, a local farmer's market, helicopter tours, backyard chili cook-off, dock dogs, and a Florida Barbecue Association barbecue cook-off. Plus, you can enjoy two of country music's best love stars, featuring best-selling country music artist, the Eli Young Band, on Saturday night. Sunday. What I love about Sunday. The Old Florida Outdoor Festival will provide two fun-filled days for the whole family. Don't miss it. Saturday and Sunday, February 8th and 9th at the Northwest Recreation Center's Amphitheater, 3710 Jason Dwelly Parkway in Apopka. To find out more about this year's Old Florida Outdoor Festival and for ticket information, visit OldFloridaOutdoorFestival.com and check them out on Facebook or call 407-703-1809. See you there at the Old Florida Outdoor Festival. Presented by Mosquito Creek Outdoors, Apopka Chief and Flanger, Little Next Ford, Shoot Straight, Apopka Chamber, and the city of Apopka. Hi, everybody. It's Pete Paquette, your morning host here at the new 950 WTLN. And I'd like to welcome back a computer program here on the weekends, very familiar to our listeners. It's Tech Talk and more. Saturday afternoons at 4 from Palm Tree Computer Systems and Jinx IT. They are the experts on any problem you might be having, downloads, uploads, software, hardware. You've got questions? These experts have the answers. Give them a call. They'd love to talk to you. And you never know when you could win something pretty cool. It's Tech Talk and more. Now Saturday afternoons at 4. And from the Tech Talk and more family to yours. We look Looking forward to a great new year with you here on the new 950 WTLN.
Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Pamela Christian, our guest in that first half hour, uh, talking about her new book, Examine Your Faith. Sheila Walsh is with us. Happy that she is. Uh, Fascinating little devotional she's put out for children god's little princess bedtime devotional uh if you've got a granddaughter oh boy uh, i've already got granddaughters standing in line waiting for this one sheila and uh (laughs) i love that congratulations how are you how have you been very well thank you just yeah excited for the opportunities that god gives us every day if we have our eyes open and our ears open what prompted you to put together this devotional for young young little girls what uh, what drove you to do this I really wanted to, to seize those moments at the end of a day when moms and dads or grandparents can sit with their little girls and really have an opportunity to talk to them about what matters, about what's true, to kind of be the last voice in their heads before they go to sleep. Because our children are so bombarded with messages from, from the media, from magazines, from other children in their lives. And so many of the messages they receive are, are very crooked and bent as to what it means to be successful, what it means to be beautiful. And I wanted little girls to know, here's what God's Word says about what true beauty is. There are 106 daily devotions in this book. Uh, Tommy Nelson is the publisher. Uh, there's a scripture with each. There's a short thought, a rhyming prayer, and a good night giggles and grace activity that will send every little princess off to bed full of smiles, feeling loved and secure. Um, what is, by the way, uh, Sheila, uh, what's the God's Little Princess brand? Can you explain that? It really happened, Pat, um, several years ago when I was dropping my own son off at kindergarten, and I saw a dad dropping off his daughter, and it looked to me as if perhaps he helped get her ready that morning. Um, her hair was all over the place, and she had <laughs> one sock up and one sock down, but it was the conversation I overheard that really birthed something in me. I, I heard him look into her eyes and say, you know, have a great day, princess. I love you. And it was a look in her eyes. Um, she received everything her daddy said because it came from him. And I literally left that conversation, drove to Starbucks and picked up a, a piece of paper and a pen and wrote the first God's Little Princess book because I thought, I wish I had known that when I was five or six years old. My, my dad took his own life when I was five. Mm. And so I never had a father tell me that I was beautiful. And so I grew up for most of my young life feeling very insecure and feeling less than the other girls around me. And I now, with my work with women of faith, I talk to so many women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s who are still bearing the scars of what happened or didn't happen when they were little girls. And so that's why I wrote this book, because I want every little girl to know you are treasured, you are beautiful, God watches over you. Talk to fathers for a minute, Sheila, and how important they are to young girls. Fathers have a role that no one else on this planet can can substitute. A father is the first picture a little girl has of what our Heavenly Father is like. You know, when, when a little girl looks into our own father's eyes and sees the love there, and not only that, but his physical presence, the time. I know we live very busy lives. But if when a dad takes even a few moments last thing at night to be the last voice in her, his little girl's head before she goes to sleep, that is worth, it's immeasurable. I don't think we'll understand until eternity exactly what God had in mind when he designed the role of a father. Sheila Walsh is our guest. Sheila, are you a writer or a singer or a, spe- <laughs> or a, spe- or a speaker? I think 
primarily I'm a writer who sings and has the opportunity to speak because writing is just part of the way I process life. A lot of people write on subjects that they are experts on and they share that. I write from the perspective of what I'm hungry to understand, of what God is speaking to me. And so, like at the moment, I'm sitting in my library and I have hundreds of volumes of commentaries and Bibles, different translations behind me. And that is my passion, to dig deep and find those little jewels that that some other people just don't have the luxury and the time to find those. To be able to dig those out and pass those on is really my life's passion. And how do you find those jewels? I'm interested in that as well. How do you mine out jewels? How do you go about it? Well, even like, um, if you take a, a simple verse, like say, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It's the end of the story of Christ's encounter with Zacchaeus. And the simple verse there is, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Now, lost in our culture could mean you've lost your keys, you've lost, you know, lots of different things that have not huge significance. But I like to look at the, the origins of the word. So if when I dive in and I, I look to see in the Greek, what does lost mean? Greek here in the, this one word is a word called apolymai, and it means ruined, devastated, broken beyond repair. That reads differently, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are ruined, those mm. who are devastated. That, that is, carries so much more weight than the English translation really indicates. Who are the Bible scholars? Uh, who are the devotional people, or who are the... Uh, the uh, the great men and women of faith who write that really appeal to you. Do you have a few favorites? I do. I'm I'm a great fan of Warren Wiersbe. <laughs> I have his Bible commentaries on the Old and New Testament. Just tremendous, tremendous scholar. I also have the entire um, collection of the Word Biblical Commentary, and those are substantial um, books. Sometimes, like even for, for Revelation, it's three volumes. So it's for those who've really given themselves to diving deep into the Word of God. Most of the time, I have the privilege of speaking to women who carve a little time in their crazy schedules to come and sit and listen. And I think, what an awesome privilege to be able to pass on to, to those women who are giving themselves to being a good mom, a good wife, to be able to pass on some of those luxuries that are, that are really very deep in the Word of God and to let them know there's so much here that, you know, there's things in life that are true for a season. You know, I talked to a woman just a couple of nights ago, just when I was out walking my dogs, and I know her vaguely just through saying hello when I passed her in the neighborhood, but she is devastated because she's going through a divorce. And I rem- reminded her that she did not want the divorce. It was not something she wanted at all. But I reminded her of her eternal destiny as a daughter of the king, that you may be divorced for a season, but eternally, that you are adopted into the kingdom of God as his daughter. Mm. Sometimes we have to get a bigger picture of what is true rather than just what is true for a season. Sheila, I've got to tell you a quick Warren Wearsby story. Uh, when I when I was in Chicago, he was pastoring uh, Moody Church, and I sat under his ministry for three years, and he became a good friend. He's now in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, still in good health. He's uh, in his mid-80s. Uh, I visited wow. there uh, not too long ago and went to his home. His uh, His office downstairs is just staggering. There must be, I don't know, five or 6,000 books that he's got in his library wow. down there. And uh, his mind is still sharp. He's still writing and uh, still corresponding with people. I mean, it's just fascinating. And his, and his sense of humor. Oh, I've got to tell you a quick story. Up Upstairs, there, there are three bathrooms in one hall in, in, in the uh, off the living room. Three bathrooms. Boom, boom, boom. And <laughs> Warren says, wow. we call them First John, Second John, and Third John. <laughs> Fabulous. Only, only Warren Wearsby, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. Yes, he's a delight. I'll, I'll tell him that uh, that you're a big fan. And th- that, oh, please, that would mean a lot. That'll that'll mean a lot to him. So, uh, Sheila, you've got these titles. Let me give you a couple of topics in your book, God's Little Prince's Bedtime Devotional. The first one uh, that you simply say, "God never changes." What are you telling little girls there? You know, we live in a world where our emotions 
change all the time. You know, our friendships can change. Um, whether we feel that we're with the right crowd or not can change in a moment. And what I want them to understand is God never changes. If you have a, a good day and you go to bed thinking, my mom and dad are pleased with me because I did everything I was supposed to, but then you might have a bad day where you made a mistake and you fell down and you failed and you feel terrible. I want them to know that on those days, as much as on the day when they felt they got everything right, that they are loved by God. God's love for us is not based on our performance. I have a, a funny story. We were once double booked with, at Women of Faith with another event. We had 15,000 women coming to the arena, and the arena had double booked us with a dog show. Mm. So what they ended up doing was they put the dog show on the lower level, and we were on the main level of the arena. Um, but our book tables were downstairs, and I watched this one trainer working with a dog, this tiny little 10-pound dog, and she was talking to it as if, you know, it was in the army telling it it had two minutes in that ring to get it right and to keep its tail straight. And the little dog was shivering. And when I got up on stage that night in the arena upstairs and I looked at these thousands of women, I said to them, you know, I just want you to know, with God, you don't have to keep your tail straight. It's not about your performance. It's about his fierce, fiery love that never lets us go. And I want little girls to know that, you know, whether you fall down or you feel like you're flying, that God's love for you is constant. What is women of faith, uh, Sheila? Can you explain that? Really, it's, it definitely was a God idea as opposed to anything any of us came up with. Um, our founder was a, a guy called Steve Arterburn, and he went to a conference with men, and it was very motivational, and he, he looked at how the men were encouraged, and he thought, I wish there was something like this for my wife, for my mom. And so he spoke to just a few women he knew, um, Barbara Johnson, Lucy Swindoll, two or three others, and, and myself, and said, what do you think about just getting together with women for a weekend and just, you know, encouraging them and laughing together? And we thought it would be wonderful, but we never imagined it would become. This is my 17th year um, with Women of Faith, and we've had the privilege of speaking to over 5 million women. So it's something that we should be past our shelf life by now. Things tend to naturally ebb and flow. But for some reason, God has been kind enough to grace us with, you know, time to really, and it's changed. You know, we started off more as storytellers, and I think as times have changed, that now we, are, we dive deep into the Word of God, as well as laugh. We still tell stories and we laugh because women love to laugh, but we also want to dive a little deeper to give women, to tuck something into a woman's pocket that when life gets hard, she can pull it out and hold on to this truth. Who are some of the teachers, Sheila, that do it around the country? Well, we, um, Lisa Turkhurst, who is just an amazing teacher, she uh, is with us. Lisa Harper, uh, we're about to do an, an event in February in Houston, and it will be five of us together for the weekend. It will be Beth Moore, Priscilla Shirer, Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, and myself. Mm. And we're all so different. We come from different denominational backgrounds. But the one story that's constant, the one thread through everything, is that Christ is the hero of all our stories. Mm. Boy, that's that sounds like a blockbuster in Houston. Ooh, yeah, we're excited about it. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to sneak in for that one. Pris- Priscilla <laughs> Priscilla Shire is uh, Tony Evans' daughter. If you if you don't know yeah. folks, and boy, she she can bring it. I think that's the best way to say it. She can bring it. Absolutely, she is, and she's as beautiful inside as she is outside. She's a woman of great depth and character. You do a devotional called "God Made the Animals," Sheila. Uh, what are you telling little girls here? Well, you know, there's something about um, the, the beauty and the diversity of what we can see when we look around, that everything that God made is different. You know, that sometimes we will look at, um, and I remember when I was a little girl, and I, there was a girl in our class who had long blonde hair. And to me, that was what would be perfect. That's what was lovely. But one of the things I began to realize is that that God has created us all differently. And if you don't show up on any given day, the world is less because of that. And if we spend our time looking at the gifts and characters of, of other people and don't show up with everything that God has given us, then it's such a shame. And I think one of the ways to help children see that is through the animals, that they all look so different. And some look funny and some look very stern or fierce. But that God has made them all with their own particular traits. And I really want to encourage little girls to step up 
I think the idea of a princess within our culture is can be someone who's very self-indulgent and should be served and should be looked up to. What I want little girls to understand is within God's kingdom, you're a warrior princess, and that's noble. That means you have courage, and it, it then also means it's your heart to serve others, not to be served. Sheila Walsh is our guest from her home in Texas, and uh, we're talking about a terrific book that she's put out, God's Little Princess Bedtime Devotional. Uh, if you've got a daughter or a granddaughter or know of a little girl, boy, this, this is an absolute must. Tommy Nelson is the publisher. We've got one more segment with Sheila, uh, so stay with us. It's the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. That's WTLN AM 950 in Orlando, Florida. We'll be right back. Of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Water is a basic building block of life. The human body is 70% water. It should be nourished with the purest, best water on earth. At Carolina Mountain Water, their spring water is unsurpassed, clean, pure, wholesome, and refreshing. And for the past 25 years, Carolina Mountain Water has been serving and refreshing Central Florida with the best quality and best tasting water at the most affordable price. Carolina Mountain Water is 100% mountain spring water, available in easy-to-use gallon and a half-liter bottles, along with three- and five-gallon spill-proof bottles, perfect for home or office. And now they offer free home and office delivery. Isn't that simple? With Carolina Mountain Spring Water, no chemicals are ever needed for purification the way water for the body was meant to be. Get refreshed for the new year by calling 407-851-7144. The purest water Mother Nature can provide. Carolina Mountain Water, 407-851-7144. Call today for a special offer, 407-851-7144. Online at carolinabottledwater.com. Flabby chest. It's not the clinical term, but it's what some male patients call it. I'm Dr. Robert Burke, and if you're a guy over 30 and you're starting to get soft and flabby around your pecs, stomach, and love handles, it's not your fault. As we age, our bodies often produce too much of the female hormone estrogen, and more estrogen along with lower testosterone can cause weak muscle tone, decreased energy in flabby pecs, bellies, and love handles. Take it from a board-certified Mayo Clinic-trained physician. Before considering shots, patches, or harmful drugs, try Regimen. I formulate a regimen to power up natural testosterone. More importantly, to help slow estrogen so you can regain that youthful, muscle-toned guy you used to be. If you're a man older than 30, Regimen has helped thousands of men just like you. Try a 30-day supply of Regimen absolutely free. Yes, free. Just pay shipping and handling. Don't wait. Get your free 30-day supply of Regimen right now at RepairLowT.com. 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 That's RepairLowT.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Sheila Walsh is with us from her home in Texas, and we're talking about her book, God's Little Princess is the Series, Bedtime Devotional. It's a wonderfully uh, put-together book, beautifully done. Uh, Sheila, before we move on, uh, where did you grow up? What were your early years like? I grew up on the west coast of Scotland. Um, My very first two or three, four years were absolutely wonderful. But um, when I was five years old, my father had a very serious brain injury. And after he became quite violent, he was taken off to our local asylum, um, what would be called a psychiatric hospital these days. And in great despair, when he was just 34 years old, my father took his own life. Mm. And as a child that left such um, a huge unanswered question in my heart, because the reason he was actually taken off to the hospital that night was that he had, my father tried to hit me over the skull with his cane. Mm. And... And I adored my dad. And as a child, I didn't understand that it was the illness that had caused his behavior to change. And what the question I was left with was, what did my dad see in me that made him change from loving me so much to seeming to hate me in the end? And I, I grew up with such a sense of, of 
shame, which to me is very different than, than guilt. You know, guilt to me is something that tells me I've done something wrong. I think shame is something that tells us we are something wrong. And that's a very difficult thing to deal with. And I think people, when they feel that, they look for a place to hide, a place to just make survival possible. And some people do it through drugs or alcohol or relationships. But I really found the perfect place to hide um, Christian ministry. Mm. Because no one there questions whether you're serving out of pain or passion. Um, but God in his mercy was the one who knew. And when Christ said, you know, that he had come to set us free, um, to give us life, not just survival, it was really God's plan to take me to the place that I was most afraid of, to show me that, you know, it's when, I, when Paul wrote his letter to the church in Rome, <clears throat> one of my favorite letters, and when he talks at the end of chapter 8 about there being nothing, nothing that can separate us from the great love of God, my question was, well, Paul, when did you write this? You know, did you write this in the first flush of faith when you were just a new believer? But when Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he had walked with Christ for almost 20 years. He had been imprisoned. He had been beaten. He'd been left for dead outside a city. This is the man who wrote, nothing, I am convinced, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And really, that's I think, was part of God's plan for me. He allowed me at 34, exactly the same age as my father, to go from one morning being the co-host of the 700 Club, and by that evening, I was in the locked ward of a psychiatric hospital. Mm. And I, I say often that I believe that God took me to a prison to set me free, to help me to understand there is no place on this earth you can go where the love of God cannot reach you. How did you come through that experience, Sheila? It was, it was really, it was terrifying and glorious, which I think a lot of our deepest moments with God are, because I realized that there, there was nothing left to commend me. I mean, you know, they even, they take away your makeup, your belt, your hair dryers, anything that a woman would tend to hide behind was gone. And all that was left was who I really was. But I discovered that God lives very close to the floor. You know, I'm, I'm used to the great praise songs where we worship the majesty of God. But I discovered the truth of the fact that God is very close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I remember I was there for a month. And in the last, probably the last week, I was allowed a day where I could go to the mall or a movie with a nurse. But I said, no, I actually would just like to go to a church. I don't care the denomination. But if you could just find a place where they believe in the word of God, I'd like to go there. And I remember sitting in the back row of that little church Episcopalian Church in Washington, D.C., and when the minister spoke that morning, he said, some of you feel as if you're dead inside, and he said, but I want you to understand that Christ is here. You don't even have to get yourself out of that hole. You simply have to call on his name, and I didn't even know what the particular protocol of that church was, but I ran to the front of that church, and I lay face down before the cross, Mm. and what kept coming back to me was the words that my grandmother used to sing to me when I was just a child. Two lines from that great hymn, The Rock of Ages. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And I finally got it, that I'm not the good news. Jesus is, that he's always known me exactly as I am. And he loved me based on his heart, not on who I am. How are you doing these days, Sheila? Are you you in good spirits, good health, good mind? I am, Pat. I just turned um, 57, and I've never enjoyed my life more. I have My husband and I have celebrated 19 years of marriage. We have a 17-year-old son who's hopefully heading off to Baylor. Just a wonderful, fun, godly young man. And I have the privilege of sharing my life with so many women and getting to, to teach from the Word of God. It's, these are glorious days to be alive. Sheila, let's uh, cover a couple of more of your little devotionals for girls before we, uh, before we depart here. Um, the stars' names. What? What? what a, a, a neat little title. Tell, tell me about that. Well, a lot of people don't realize that stars have names. That scientists have given them. You know, I mean, they're very proper names. We know names like you know, storytellers give them fun names like Orion's Belt and the Big Dipper. But but they have scientific names like V eight three eight. But 
God has, knows every single star. And when Christian was a little boy, we used to, on clear nights, we would take blankets outside and we would lay on our backs in the grass and look up at the stars. And I would say to him, Christian, can you imagine that God placed every single one of those in place? And even now, he is the one who's holding every single one in place. But that same God, through every star out there, is the one who watches over you when you sleep. I, I, I want to give children a big picture of who God is, that he is, if he's mighty enough to do that, he's certainly strong enough to hold on to you. Then you do a, t- a, a devotional called God Shapes Me. God Shapes Me, yeah, it's... Really, that devotion talks about the fact that the Lord is our Father, um, that He is a, is a potter. You know, it's like we are we are clay. That when you see something that's that's beautifully made, I took Christian once to see um, a glass blower, and it was fascinating to watch as this artisan would would blow into this very hot glass and mold it and meld it and then add color and make it something really spectacular and unique. And those are such wonderful teaching moments to say, you know, darling, that's magnificent. But do you know that that's what God did with you? And then I'll refer him back to Psalm 139 and say that before, you know, your dad and I even knew that we were to be blessed you know, to have a son like you, that every single day of your life has already been written in God's book. And I think that that gives children such a sense of security, of knowing that the one that almost the the great onus is placed on is God. He is the one who is the creator. We simply get to enjoy being his creation. Here's a uh, terrific little quote from uh, the pastor, John Piper, you know, who pastored up in Minneapolis for years. Mm. Here's what he said, Sheila. In every situation and circumstance of your life, God is always doing a thousand different things that you cannot see and you do not know. Wow. Pretty powerful, huh? Very, very powerful. You know, it's funny. My my son showed me a quote last night. He, I don't know where he got it, but he, it was all about the fact that you know you can sit outside and watch people walk past or in airports, and but every one of them has this story and this intricate life and relationships. And he said, you know, it's really amazing to me, Mom, to think that even now as I'm writing these applications to college, as I'm taking my ACT and all those different things, that God already knows every intricate detail of my life and a million one things that I will miss. So we've started that, adding that into our prayer and devotional time, thanking God for what we see and thanking God for the millions of things that we miss. So if you missed the John Piper quote, folks, here it is. In every situation and circumstance of your life, God is always doing a thousand different things that you cannot see and you do not know. So that's, uh, that's a good one to close on. Uh, Sheila, the book is terrific. Uh, Bedtime Devotionals. It's for little girls. Tommy Nelson is the publisher. It's in bookstores now, in Christian bookstores. It's in all the major bookstores in the religion section. And uh, if you've got a little girl in your life, this is a must. A million thanks, Sheila. I, I uh, hope things continue to go well for you. Wonderful, Pat. I love talking to you. Thank you so much. We will have a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour on WTLN AM 950 in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Dr. John Brooks. Families by Designs airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 950 WTLN. Pastor, do you desire to grow your leadership? Palm Beach Atlantic University's Orlando campus kicks off this year's Pastor's Leadership Series to help you with self-leadership skills. The February 5th session from 8 to 9 a.m. features Dr. Pam Powers, teaching about planning, posturing, positioning, and empowering your ministry to succeed. The Pastor's Leadership Series at PBA's Orlando campus, located by the Mall at Millennia, is open to all pastors. Breakfast is free. Reserve your seat at 407-226-5955. Invest in your personal leadership development at Palm Beach Atlantic University's Pastors Leadership Series.
You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We're always happy when you plug in here on the weekends on WTLN. Pamela Christian, our guest in the first half hour, better known as the Faith Doctor, uh, talking about her new book, Examine Your Faith. And then Sheila Walsh from her home in Texas uh, has a new devotional out, God's Little Princess Bedtime Devotional. And if you have a little girl in your life, uh, this book is a must. Uh, Great to visit with Sheila. And her website, by the way, is Sheila Walsh. Dot com, SheilaWalsh.com. My latest book is out. It is called Coach Wooden's Greatest Secret. Uh, the legendary coach at UCLA uh, had a great secret for success in life. Uh, he once told me a lot of little things done well. I hope you enjoy that book. It's going into bookstores right now. And visit Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com, a wonderful way to order books as well. Have a great day tomorrow at church with your family and a wonderful week ahead here in Central Florida. And we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, WTLN AM 915 Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.